Welcome, everybody, to the Code of Shame Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Work. Guys, I'm here with my friend, Dr. Sinesia Crocker. This is a good episode. It's going to roil some people up, uh, though. There is definitely uh, some interesting conversation and ideas here. Uh, we're talking about discounting and vets discounting. And you guys can hear me asking the questions that, that, that I'm struggling with as we go through this interview. I, I like a lot of where this goes, and I end with questions of like, how does this scale? And it's, I don't, it's, it's really an interesting conversation. Uh, if you think about discounting in your practice or what that looks like, um, this is this is a really good conversation. There's a lot of interface here with Spectrum of Care. There's a lot of interface here with keeping care affordable. There's a lot of interface with doctor autonomy, uh, meeting the mission and values of the staff. Like all, all that stuff is here. And also, we gotta run healthy, profitable vis- businesses where we can set budgets and do strategic planning and pay for pay for equipment and raises and continuing education and things like that. And so a lot of nuance in this conversation. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking about it. You guys should check it out. Dr. Tanisha Crocker. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame. With Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Tanasia Crocker. How are you? I am good. A little tired, but I'm excited to be here. I know. I feel like I, I wish you should not have done this podcast. You should have just been like, I'm sorry, I'm working until uh, the butt crack of dawn. And then uh, and then I don't have the time to sleep and then talk to you. You should have said right. that. If I do that, though, I would never get anything done because that's the ER life. So I'm I'm excited to be here. It'll be fun. For those who don't know you, you are uh, a practicing emergency veterinarian and you are a big presence on social media. And um, I think the world of you, I uh, have really enjoyed uh, getting to know you over the last year or two. And um, I love that you're a positive voice for veterinary medicine. Like I, I, I like the stuff that you do when there's so much negativity on social media. I, I like it. I like that you tell the truth about what it means to be a veterinarian and also uh, emphasize the positive. I just think that's a, I think that's a perspective that, uh, that is valuable for people to hear and just be reminded that we do cool stuff. So thank you for that. I, uh, I started this whole thing because of that. So I'm glad it actually <laughs> resonates and works. And I hear that a lot, you know, where people say I had a hard shift or I had a hard day, like, thanks for sharing, but then also reminding me of all the, the very cool, very amazing things we do. So well, it, I think that I think there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people on social media, right? And there's a lot of people in vet medicine on social media. I don't think that there are a whole lot of people, and I could, I'm going to get blown up for this, but um, I, I, I think there's space for more people to be honest about what medicine is and talk about what they enjoy about it and what makes it and what makes it good and what, you know, and what's, and what's fun and look or look at it honestly and, and find the ability to laugh. Like, I think that's what I've always sort of tried to aspire to is not, it's not toxic positivity. It's not pretending that every day is great. Um, it's not telling people you should just smile, but it's being honest and saying, no, this is a hard job. And there are some really good things here. And let's, let's, let's sit with them for a second. Let's look at them. Let's pull them out. Um, let's laugh, let's laugh about the hard parts together. And I just, I think that that's so valuable. And it's just, um, I don't know. I don't see, I don't see a whole lot. I think, I feel like social media has kind of drifted away from that in a lot of ways. And so it's just, uh, those people out there who are putting that positivity, I think are really important. Well, you've got, 
you've got uh, a talk coming up. You're speaking at Western Vet Conference in Las Vegas in a couple of months, and I will see you out there. But you're talking about something that I'm I'm really been interested in for a long time, and so we're talking about discounting. And I I think a lot about discounting in the fact that as a doctor. I am often in the exam room talking to people about money and some people can't pay for the care that they need to have. And um, I came up, I feel like there's there's been a lot of evolution this way in our profession, but when I came up, it was not uncommon for vets to change the prices and just be like, oh, hey, your cytology, it suddenly costs half of what it usually costs. And and they would just do that and it was normalized. And, and I know people who would slam their fists on the table desk and say, that's embezzlement. Um, it was it was common practice back in the day of discounting prices. Uh, and again, we have practice managers come in and, and do things like that now where they look at it and they say, well, what if we just, we may just be able mm-hmm. to take this off of here. And it comes from a good place. The thing that I was always interested in is why do we discount and how do we discount? And are we actually helping the people who need help when we discount? And that's where your sort of talk on uh, intentional discounting comes in. So I, I'm going to stop talking here and kind of turn it over to you for a second and say, when you say intentional discounting, what do you mean by that? Because I want to make sure that we're seeing the same vision. So the the emphasis is on intentional discounting. I feel like what's happened over time is discounting has become a dirty word, right? It's something that honestly, I think we all still do in some way, shape or form, but we try to hide it. And maybe that is because we have management oversight that we're worried we would get in trouble for giving stuff away for free or for discounting. Or maybe it's because, you know, we work off of a certain production number or, you know, we're trying to meet certain standards. And so the idea that we would just give something away is seen as a very negative thing. And what I want to talk about is reframing it as doing it intentionally with a purpose communicating the value of what you're doing to the clients and actually making the experience better for the clients and you uh, in the hospital setting. Obviously, I work ER, so finances are a huge thing. And fortunately, I work for Veterinary Emergency Group. And one of our things that we say is we give shit away for free. So we openly discount. <laughs> you say we that? Open- that's, that's like a, that's on the website? That's a thing. It's not on the website, but that's a thing that we okay. say and we really, truly believe in. So Doctors have the ownership to do what they want with a case financially, what they feel good about, and intentionally discount for a reason and for a purpose. And we can get into what some of those are. But one of the first points that people have to realize are everyone discounts. Like, it happens. And I think a lot of times we're sneaky about it or we see it as a negative. And we're trying to restructure and reframe it to it's happening already. Let's spin it into a positive thing for the team and for the client. Yeah. I, okay. So I'm, I want to pause on this because I'm, I'm with you at this point. So to me, I do think that at some point when push comes to shove, we all end up looking at this crying pet owner and saying, I desperately want to help this person and I desperately want to help this pet and they don't have the finances that they need. And I, what I say to people is, um, we need to own this as the cost of doing business in this industry. Like, we don't have people who are going to kick that person out onto the street. Like, that's not who we are. That's not our culture. It's not what we want it to be our culture. At some point, we, you know, we, um, we are kind giving people who want to serve. That's what we want to do. And so there is a discount 
cost of doing business in medicine. I don't think that's ever going to go away. I think people who try to make that go away are going to have real problems keeping their staff motivated, feeling good about work. You know, I mean, I I just, I think that the culture part is, it all plays into this. I think, I I really like how you're sort of setting this up. I, I think for me, one of the things, and you didn't mention this when we talk about discounting and, and kind of where people come down, you know, you sort of talked about management oversight and you talked about, you know, production bonuses and being uh, injured there. I, I think a lot about fairness. And when I think about discounting, I, I think about like, is it fair for me to give this person who's complaining loudly a break and not this person who just sucks it up? And I don't know what their struggle is, but they just suck it up and they don't say anything and they pay their bill. And I kind of feel like, I, I think I treated that person who sucked it up unfairly and maybe, you know, rewarded the person who uh, just griped and complained loudly. And who knows what that person's real situation is. So anyway, I, I wrestled with the fairness part as well in discounting and said, oh, how do I get mad on this? So I think that one of the things that I would kind of argue with is it's not that sure. you discount because someone gets angry. Or because someone says like, this costs too much. How could you charge me for that? It's because you discount because you have communicated what this pet needs. You have shown the value of what they need and people just truly can't pay for it. Whether it's in that moment, whether you need to just buy them some time to maybe reach out to family and friends, you're obviously not going to do a $10,000 surgery for free, right? That's not happening. But there are cases where you could do something and you could help the the pet not be painful anymore. You could maybe stop the vomiting so they can, you know, get to the regular vet if they're in your ER. And you could do those things for free, not completely break the bank uh, on the hospital side of things, but have the owners feel like you actually care. And it's not because they're acting like jerks. It's not because they're asking for it. It's because you've had a conversation and said, this is what's going on with your pet. This is what they need. This is what it's going to cost. And they have said, we really and truly just can't do that. Like it's not an option or that high number is not an option. This is where we are. This is our budget. And you have to work within a budget. So let me give an an example. I have had people come in and we're really suspicious of a foreign body, right? Well, in our ER, x-rays are expensive. The emergency fee is expensive, but I need to see, is this actually something surgical or not? And then we need to be able to talk through the options, right? For surgery. So sometimes what I'll do is I'll say, you know what? Let me shoot an x-ray, no charge. Like, let me just shoot a lateral Mm -hmm. x-ray, no charge, see if there's an obvious foreign body or not, see if this is something that I could maybe give Serenia and you could see your vet in 10 hours, or is this something that we have to figure out how to get this dog surgery, right? And owners, just the fact that I'm willing to kind of get an answer for that and give away a $120 x-ray is very valuable to them. And so we shoot the x-ray, we see a foreign body and they say, oh, crap right? The dog actually needs a procedure. So now it's trying to figure out how do we make that happen either in our hospital, can it wait until they go somewhere else, but it's getting them an answer and it's kind of working with them as a team and establishing that trust and that communication so that you can take the next step. Does that make sense? I I have questions. Um, yes, I have questions. That's fine. That's and fine. So, but it's not the jerk client that's yelling and arguing. That's not who I'm discounting. No, no, that no. Might, that might no, be I get that. Medical director's discounting. I'm discounting for the people who truly need something done for their pet in that moment and they just really can't afford it or they don't have an answer yet that helps them like move on to that next step financially and work through it. 
Yeah. Okay. I, I like this. So when we start to talk about what intentional means, now we're starting to get into the weeds because mm-hmm. I, I think what, what neither of us is talking about is willy nilly takes $5 off of this. We're not going to charge for that mm-hmm. and just kind of going through, you know, scattering, uh, discounts around. I, I, and I really want to emphasize that for me. I have seen that my whole career and it, it's, it's awful. It's, it's not. Not I don't right. know that it actually moves the needle in a way that matters. It's bad for the practice. You can't budget for the practice. You can't, um, you know, you can't, you can't set your, uh, your, your profitability expectations so you can raise salaries. You just can't do these things when people are randomly giving away money here and there and not charging for this and that. And I have seen those practices. I have seen those practices. And I remember in the past, and it's been probably a decade since I saw these numbers, but I remember stuff about your average veterinarian gives away six figures worth of services every year. And I, and I believe those numbers. And I don't know if they're still true. Uh, I suspect they are. They're just better hidden than they used to be. But, mm-hmm. you know, this, this was, this was kind of willy nilly giving. And so, you know, I, I use this analogy when I think about discounting like this and just sort of willy nilly, we're going to, you know, do a little of this and do a little of that. There's, there's two things. There's, um, there's the research with uh, Adam Grant. So he wrote the book, Give and Take. And uh, he had this research where he talked about how people feel about uh, about charitable work. And so what he did was he looked at people who just help people throughout the day and they would just do a little bit of this here and a little bit of that there. And they would just kind of along and along, they just help people. And then they looked at people who blocked time on their calendar, like say one morning a week, and they went to the soup kitchen and they did three hours at the soup kitchen on Thursday mornings. And he looked to say, who's happier? Is it the people who give along and along throughout the day? Or is it the people who just have a, a block of time and they say, this is how I give and this is where I give and I go and do it. And what he found was the happiness, the feeling of satisfaction and pride in the people who blocked the time and was like, mm-hmm. this is how we do it. Their mm-hmm. happiness was a lot greater. And so I think about veterinarians that kind of take a little bit off of this and take a little bit off of that. I've sort of probably, I've probably done things like that in my career and generally felt crappy about it the whole time because I feel like I'm not doing a good job. I don't know if I'm really helping them. It, mm-hmm. it, um, I worry about the fairness thing I talked about before. So that, that's the first part. The second part is when I work about, when I think about impact that we have through giving and I look at, it's the difference for me in giving money to someone who's uh, a panhandling beside the road versus donating a chunk of money to the local soup kitchen. And I'm not trying to, to put values on anything or say you should do this or you should do that. I feel like when I stop and say, if I'm going to do a certain amount of good in the world, am I better off handing it out to people as I see them? Or am I better off rolling it together and, and doing something meaningful with it in an organized way? And I've, I've come down on, in the second camp. And again, I'm not saying other people should feel this way. But, but I, I do feel like I'm a, you know what, if I take couple hundred bucks a month and do a thing, a thing with all of it, as opposed to giving away 20 bucks whenever I, I pass somebody, um, I, I feel like I'm making a bigger difference. And so I take those two thoughts, the happiness and then the impact and kind of roll them together. And to me, the way that we discount, it needs to hit those buttons for me. Like I need to feel like I'm making an impact and then I need to feel good. Like I'm not doing stuff I'm not supposed to, that I'm not you know, coming up short as a veterinarian, that I'm being dishonest with my employer, like all those things are important to me. So, so as you start to talk about the um, intentional discounting and stuff, you're, when you're talking about the radiographs, I'm just sort of trying to get my head around that. Is there, when you say like, hey, we bring this, this pet in, let's do a lateral radiograph and just take a look. I know there's a lot of people who are going to scream and be like, standard of care. And we can talk about what that looks like in a, in a second. Uh, one view, yeah. what are you talking about? And, and, and I get it. 
And there's people who are going to, who are going to have that reaction. My, my initial reaction is, what's the system here? Like, how is this intentional versus just being like, let's just snap this. Help me get my head first around, help me get my head first around the, the system part of it. Is this, is there, is there some guidelines about like when we do this? Like, is, is there any sort of laid out system or process for making these decisions? Help, help me understand. So I think there's a couple important points. One, we do know that burnout is contributed to by not being able to practice the way you want to. So that feeling of everyone who walks in the door, you have to charge them every single thing. Someone's looking over your shoulder. You can't practice medicine the way that makes you feel good. Uh, there's not access to care. You're constantly being questioned about right the standard of care. Uh, and, and there's no ability to work in the gray zone, work with owners as a team, work within their finances and actually help the pet and feel good at the end of the day. So when you have that yeah. dynamic, we know that even if you're practicing the best medicine in the world, you know, you are charging, you're making a ton of money. We still sometimes don't feel good, right? About we've, what we've done. So it's saying, hey, especially for the team as a whole, like think about your technicians that have to go tell somebody, hey, your dog needs this. It's going to be this much money and then have to work through with the owners. They have no money. Why are we not helping their pet and that feeling? So I think it puts the team at a disadvantage if it's just when someone walks in the door, you have to get this money before we touch the pet, before we do anything. Uh, I just don't think that's a great way to work overall. And so at our hospitals, Veg, we are allowed to practice and make those decisions as doctors with what feels good. Some of the doctors I work with discount way more than me. I am actually one of the lower discounting doctors uh, in the practice, but I have really great, uh, I guess, client feedback that they're happy with what I've done. Um, I don't have those crazy interactions in the ER where people scream at me, you know, over finances mm -hmm. and not helping their pets. So it's looking at it at a case-by-case -case basis and kind of knowing what is most important and what does the owner need in that moment? What does the pet need in that moment? Maybe you're not going to work the pet up for every single thing they have going on. Uh, maybe they're vomiting and you are going to give sub fluids and serenia with the, you know, understanding that that is not the best thing that you do not know exactly what you're treating, but you're trying to buy time for that pet or you're trying to see if it works or it doesn't. And if it doesn't work, they need to find finances and come back to get a full workup, right? But it is operating, I guess, autonomously, am I using the right word, uh, and being able yeah. to make those decisions to be able to sleep better at night. So I don't know that I answered your question just now, but I want to make sure that everyone understands that you have to work in a model and in a culture and in a hospital that is trusting of their doctors and their team overall. And there's really not yeah. like a set plan, right? Um, that yeah. is based off okay. of those interactions one-on-one. -on -one. Okay. Does that help I, at all? It, this is really... It, it, it does. It does. And it's being open about it. You're open about it. Like you're telling the clients yeah, they that, know I what think, you're doing. You're I think not, that's really interesting. That I, think, I think what you're talking about is basically veterinary medicine that I've seen a million times. Just being really open <laughs> about what's happening as opposed to, shh, don't, don't tell anybody. Yeah. Like, shh. It's, um, it's, it's an like, interesting You know how we say, concept. like, drop that pet on the, you, like, all the time. And I've worked so many places. Just... Oh, look, the pet fell in the x-ray machine and we took x-rays. Oh, look, like, it, but right. Like, I mean, that yeah. happens all the time. You're like, yeah, oh, no. let's just, let's just do it. But like, not really be open about it and not really charge for it. And I'm like, 
No, be open about it. Say, I'm going to take this x-ray for free. Let's get some answers. Okay, guess what? Your pet has bicavitary effusion. We need to put them to sleep, but we got you an answer and you feel better yeah. about it. And what I suspected has been confirmed. Yeah, Is I that- can't. I cannot look at you in the face and tell you I have not stepped on the x-ray pedal and said, oops, before, <laughs> like, yes. like, okay, yeah, let's, we're just real talk here. Hey guys, I just want to hop in really quick and give a quick plug. The Uncharted Veterinary Conference is coming in April. Guys, I founded the Uncharted Veterinary Conference in 2017. It is a one-of-a-kind conference. It is all about business. It is about internal communications, working effectively inside your practice if you're a leader. That means you can be a medical director. It means you can be an associate vet who really wants to work well with your technicians. It means you can be a head technician, a head CSR. You can be practice owner, practice manager, multi-site manager, multi-site medical director. We work with a lot of those people. This is all about building systems, setting expectations to work effectively with your people. Guys, Uncharted is a peer mentorship conference. That means that we come together and there is a lot of discussion. We create a significant percentage of the uh, schedule, the agenda at the event, which means we're going to talk about the things that you are interested in. Uh, it is, always, as I said, business communication focused, but uh, lots of freedom inside that to make sure that you get to talk about what you want to talk about. We really prioritize people being able to have one-on-one conversations to pick people's brains, to get advice from people who have wrestled with the problems that they are currently wrestled with. We make all that stuff happen. If you want to come to a conference where you do not sit and get lectured at, but you work on your own practice, your own challenges, your own growth and development. That's what Uncharted is. Take a chance. Give us uh, give us a look. Come and check it out. It is in April. I'll put a link in the show notes for registration. Um, ask anybody who's been. It's something special. All right, let's get back into this episode. Okay, <laughs> uh, so there's... I think that's really interesting, right? And I think this is really, really interesting. And, and because, and this is why I want to talk with you about it, when I look at where medicine's going and rising standard of, uh, standard of care, meaning we get more and more advanced in what we can do and what the gold standard of care is, and um, significant increase in prices, and that's that's uh, higher wages, which is good. Like this is this is the thing is, I want people to make a living wage in vet medicine. I want them to be taken care of, and I grit my teeth, you know, and go. Oh. And, you know, I talked to practice owners last week at the Uncharted Practice Owners Summit, and. Uh, a number of them sort of said, hey, or they said very pretty straightforward, uh, the the average member of my staff could not afford to be a client in my practice. And that bothers me at a deep level. And I thought that was very sort of vulnerable, candid conversation. But I, I see that as well and go, man, I, I don't want to, I think it's hard to keep people motivated when they say I'm performing a service that I couldn't afford to have and, and telling everyone this is what they need to do and this is what it means to be a good pet owner. And so, so I, I, I think that what you're talking about, and, and we sort of mentioned the standard of care before about doing the, the one lateral view, this is very much at the heart of what the spectrum of care conversation looks like in practice, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of hand waving out spectrum of care and what does it mean? And this is what it actually looks like in the, in the practice is going, yeah, I understand two views are better than one. Like I get it. I, I understand that they're exponentially better than one. I get it. Mm-hmm. That's not what we have the resources to do. And so we're picking the better of not great options here. And so so I think you're really very much getting into functional standard of care or spectrum of care kind of work. And then in- integrating the finance part of that too is to go, well, you know, there is spectrum of care. And then there's also how do we how do we make this affordable? And, and then there's a lot of different ways to do that. I think it's 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 got to be a multimodal approach to keep care affordable and to help 
pet owners out. Is t- Talk to me a bit about what tracking this looks like, right? Because I want to believe that this is very much not the old school, the vet kind of does what they want and nobody... <laughs> and and nobody you know and nobody nobody tracks it. it's like oh yeah i don't know what he we just give stuff away like i have to believe that that the modern version of intentional discounting if you go this way it's got to be built on tracking so that we can see what we're doing so we can see what we're giving away i i think to me as as i listen to this i go that's what's that's got to be what's different is by making it an open thing we talk about we can at least track it we can mm-hmm. we can budget for it. We can understand it. It's not kind of old school vet clinic where you know the books are a you know a ledger in the back and they never balance. It's, it's it can't be that. Help me understand. Help me understand the tracking, the measuring, the monitoring. So I am going to put it on the bill and I'm going to zero it out so the owner sees what the value is. When I okay. add that discount in. It's going to be under me. And so I can, with my medical director, look and see where I fell on the discount side of things, how much I discounted. But another component of that is your NPS. So people that rated you after their interactions with you, your net promoter score, what was that score? So are you making clients happy? Are clients leaving and they are willing to recommend the practice to other people? Are they leaving good reviews? So there's a lot of value in having clients be happy and having not having those really negative interactions in your practice that are traumatizing for all involved, right? So you're balancing out those two things. You can't look at it as just how much did you discount? I work hard enough and I make enough money that it's okay if I discount a little bit. And I either get a client to do more for the pet because I got them an answer or I get them to be happy and then recommend us and leave good reviews and do things that are positive for the practice. Then constantly having this, you know, caustic uh, interaction with clients fighting over money. And so it is a very, I think it takes a little bit of a maturity. I see a lot of the younger vets that I train come in and they do. As soon as something gets a little uncomfortable with a client, they just want to give something away. And I'm like, that is not it. That's not it. You're finding something you can do. It's a pain injection, right? It's something that you can do because you're truly listening to the client. You're listening to what the pet needs. They feel like you care. They trust you. You're communicating what you're doing and that maybe it's not everything you would like to do, but you're trying to help. And there is, there is value in that that comes out that is almost immeasurable, but you can track track things like net promoter score and you can track things like how much you're discounting just to to kind of keep up with it. Uh, talk to me more about net promoter score for veterinarian. Like that's a term I'm very familiar with from the like the conference business, you know, where we look at, you know, marketing and and um and and, and happy customers coming out of our uh, out of our events. But I haven't heard that as a term that we track for veterinarians. So so break that break that down for me a little bit, please. So Every client that leaves your practice, leaves your hospital should get some sort of follow up, right? Like now with the, with the way things are electronically, you should be able to send a message. Thank you so much for being fluffy in, whether it was for the vaccines, you know, we hope they're doing well. If you get a chance, please fill out this survey about, about your visit. And what you're looking to do is get people who actually reply to those surveys. You're looking to see what was their visit. And so I, if it's one to 10, you ideally want only above sixes, people that are nine and tens and sometimes eights are willing to 
promote you. So they're willing to talk about you outside of the practice, talk about their experience. Um, and that is really valuable. Uh, people that are a little lower had a great experience, but they're probably not going to tell people about it. And then anything under a six in general, you're like, eh, we could have done like a dramatically better job, but you're, you're looking to see what was their experience based on a lot of different categories and where they kind of rank you. And you can do that and get enough data to see, you know, as a veterinarian, as a team, uh, based on who they're shouting out, uh, how are we doing? How are we communicating? How are we interacting with people? And you should have a positive net promoter score. So you should have something that is higher. And I have a high <laughs> net promoter score and I also discount, right? And so I, I guess it's not one or the other. Um, but I think it is a good thing to sit down as a team and say, how are we doing? What's the perception of what we're doing? How does the team feel about what we're doing? How do the clients feel about what we're doing? How does management feel? It is an, an overall discussion. But when your culture is one where you can give stuff away for free so that you can go home and sleep at night, it's not something that's hidden. It's something that's celebrated. We helped yeah. people. We helped their pets. And that's just a different way of looking at things. Are there guidelines on when you think the discounting is okay or things that are put forward? So I, I, I love that you say, I discount because I see this as an opportunity and we're making this difference. And you also own the fact that there's this natural tendency that when somebody gets upset at you, you can make them happy by giving them things. Mm -hmm. um, and that's very true. Uh, there's so much nuance here. There's mm -hmm. so much nuance between we don't, we do not reduce our prices in any way, shape or form. They are what they are. And if you can't pay them, then you need to go somewhere else. Um, and just come on in. Just tell me, tell me, what do you feel comfortable paying? Uh, and, and we'll, and that's what it's going to cost. There's a lot of space between that, like lots of shades of gray here. Help me get, try to give me something tangible to put my feet on, you know, as I drift through this space of this, this feels in bounds and this feels out of bounds. Are there guidelines, something that I could communicate to someone else other than, well, you know, see how you feel? So I think I, I kind of have some personal guidelines that I share with other veterinarians. There's obviously okay. a point. I don't give away thousands of dollars of free stuff. But if there's an emergency C-section and I'm worried that, you know, the pet's life is in danger, the puppy's life is in danger, and I know that I can skip some of those things that would be considered standard of care. Like ideally on an emergency C-section, you're doing full blood work, full imaging, you know, catheter, you're doing all the things, you're hospitalizing them for a while afterwards. There's a lot. There's some things that I can probably cut out of there and make sure the patient is stable enough for surgery, but get the surgery done and help the pet and help those puppies. And I can discount it, right? Down. I still need to charge a certain amount, but I can discount some things out. And so... It is looking at the case, but I'm not going to take a hit by car pet that has a completely shattered back end, uh, pulmonary contusions, uh, and the owner has no money for the follow-up care that this pet needs after their emergency mm -hmm. visit. I'm not going to just give them $10,000 worth of hospitalization and, and management. Yeah. So there needs to be the potential for a good outcome. Uh, there needs to be a pet that is not suffering, that if what you do and not maybe getting an answer, uh, you're not going to prolong suffering or make something worse for a pet. There needs okay. to be the ability to communicate other resources. So we have a lot of rescues and, and organizations we work with that we can direct people to, to get additional funding. And one of the biggest things that I try to teach young veterinarians is if you give people time, 
people find money. So I have a lot of owners. I have a lot of owners that I will say, you know, let's do A, B, and C. Um, I will discount this and take your pet home. If they continue to do what you came in for, come back. We need to do a full workup. We need to do more of a treatment or we need to hospitalize. This is what that would look like. And you would be surprised how many owners come back in 12 hours and say, you know, they started throwing up again, but I called Aunt Susan Mm -hmm. and I now have the money to hospitalize. So for me, I don't do it on cases that the pet is suffering, that I know I can't help them. I can't save them. Uh, I don't do it on cases where I think there's something that I medically would cause an issue if I just made a guess. But I think after 14 years, I have a pretty good idea of what's going on with the majority of pets. And so there is that innate understanding and ability to say, I can do this. It's not going to make it worse. And I am here if something changes and does get worse, right? It's not a, let me do this, send you away. Don't ever come back here. You know, it's a, this is one step but we might have more steps in the future and setting them up for that possibility and setting them up for the next thing. So it's all about communication. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, right? Yeah. Well, the part, when you, the part when you say, if you give people time, they'll find money, that really tracks with mm-hmm. what I've seen. Like how many times have I had a case in and treated it empirically because that's what we had the resources for and said to them, this is not ideal. If this if the limping continues, if vomiting continues, if whatever, I will see you back tomorrow and we're going to need to do these other things. And what I found is that um, that people tend to come back if they need to. And right. when they come back, they have accepted what we're going to do and they're generally much more prepared for it. Um, and if you think about the cases that you see, I think I think most of us in the rooms, you know, will have that experience. That That totally makes sense. Talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, we still need to charge a certain amount is sort of what you said. And there's, there's, you know, there's things like hard costs. You know, it's one thing to say, well, I'm going to step on this x-ray pedal and make this digital image here to look at. It's another thing to say, I'm going to go to surgery for two hours and, you know, spend a lot of uh, anesthesia and pain medicines and tech time and things like that. Those are just different things things. Uh, does that come into your, into your calculations at all? You know, is, yeah. Walk me through any, any sort of guide rails. Cause it, it, you seem like you have them. Cause you're saying like, Oh, you know, I gotta, we, we can do something here, but we can't, but we can't do everything here. And do you have any, any sort of thoughts like that that come in as far as how much you're doing? Yeah. So in the ER, there's some really simple, like a blocked cat, a GDV, a hemoabdomen that needs a splenectomy, a, a mesenteric torsion. Like those are just some things I saw the last couple of days, right? I need to have very frank conversations with those owners about what that pet needs, what possible outcomes are, and financially what it could look like. And I need a deposit and I need a substantial deposit for those. I am not taking those pets to surgery until there is a very clear understanding of, of what is going on with these pets. And so there is no rushing into surgery if the owners have just no finances because you don't know the outcomes and you don't know how long those pets might need to be hospitalized. And there's too many uncertainties and it's not fair to this pet to not be able to uh, kind of do everything you need to for them, right? Um, But if you have a golden doodle that looks great, that threw up three times and maybe ate something, but maybe didn't and palpates normal and is happy and healthy 
and you have a conversation and the owner says, it's Christmas time. I just got a lot of presents. I just really can't afford to do all the x-rays and all the things. In those moments, I either say, you know, I really am worried about something significant. So maybe I do an x-ray real quick for free and I can take two views and no charge it. Like it's not going to break the bank, but I'm going to have them pay for, you know, sub fluid, serenity and the emergency fee if everything looks okay on x-ray. And so it doesn't mean it's all or nothing with a lot of these cases. Like I have a lot of owners that say I have $200. Okay. I'm going to work within that $200, do what I can. But if they also need a uh, clavamox to go home or, you know, an antibiotic, I will do the antibiotic maybe for free. And so I think the thing that we have a hard time with as veterinarians is like everything has to be like black and white or there has to be rules. And unfortunately, this is a very innate thing. It's it's kind of doing it a couple of times and communicating and, and realizing what does and doesn't make sense, making sure you're very clear about what you're doing and the value of it. Um, but I don't, I think the big picture you have to have is why are you doing it? How does it help the team? How does it help the pet? And when you look at it that way versus like, what are all the possible negatives from it or what makes it hard or tricky? It gets easier and easier on a case by case basis. But it is hard for me to say like, this is, this is, this is it. These are the rules. And if you do this, it'll work for you because it's very dependent on the practice and it's very dependent on the communication. Uh, and it is a case by case basis. But I think being transparent about discounting has a lot of value in veterinary medicine when done the right way. This is this has been great. I'm gonna I have a lot to sit with here. I I I like I like your point on transparency. I I do think that this is really where the rubber meets the road on spectrum of care in a in a lot of ways. Um I I, I mean I I think that you're I think you're talking openly about things that have gone on and most of us know gone and it's just sort of the built in cost of doing business in in the profession. I, I think you're hitting on all these sorts of things. I, I'm gonna sit I'm gonna sit with this a little while. So this has been outstanding. You're doing this presentation at Western Vet Conference in Las Vegas in February, I believe. Yes. It's February, right? Yeah, and we're gonna do it kind of on a I'm gonna try to do like a case based uh, one where we can actually say, let's talk about these cases, let's look at this case. Why would we discount? How did we discount? How did it play out? To give people like a little mm -hmm. bit more of a tangible uh experience around it. That sounds great. And then uh, where can people find you online, Tanisha? I am on all the social media platforms, uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, doctor.tanasia.crocker. I do have a website, drcrockerpetvet.com. So if you need uh, somebody for a speaking engagement, if you just want to connect, uh, I love networking and hearing about things going on in veterinary medicine. And I absolutely love this profession and uh, could talk about these things all day. So thank you so much for having me on, Andy. Oh, absolutely. I'll put links uh, to your socials down in the show notes. Guys, thanks for being here. Take care of yourselves. And that is it, guys. That's the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. I hope you got uh, a good uh, amount to think about. If you did, as always, the kindest thing you can do is share with your friends. Spread the word, spread the joy, um, help people know about what we do in the podcast. Write me an honest review wherever you get your podcasts. All that stuff is super helpful. Gang, thanks for being here. Take care of yourselves. I'll talk to you later on.